His name is Eutychus. Have you said that name before? Uh, do you remember reading it anywhere in the scriptures? The answer is this is the only spot where it's found. And it translates, the meaning of it is, lucky or fortunate. And you look at the story and say, where'd that come from anyway? And you read the story. Today, we're concluding our study of four weeks, as far as the sermon part of it goes, on get their name. I thought it was significant in this passage to use it because there you find the church remembering the name of someone, not because he's a disciple, not because he has done something dramatic or important in the life of the church. He simply came to church that evening. Of course, there's a little more to the event for which it's spoken, but it took time in telling to give his name. I want us to think about worship and how we do it in comparison in some ways to how it was done then and there. And that asking the question, is it really important that we get the name, learn the name of each other, and those who would come and be a part of worship with us? Lucky came, I'm going to use the meaning, Lucky came in that night and he, uh, at the end of the day, came to uh, a study and worship time and uh, he found his seat. We don't know whether he came in and took the windowsill seat because it was the best one or it was the last one. We really don't know. It may have been the best one because it would have been cooler there on that third floor sitting in the window with a draft that's open. He may have chosen it by preference. It may have been the last. We're not really sure. But whatever the reason, he takes that place and that begins the story and has something to do why it appears in the scripture before us. It's a special night because Paul was there in the town, Troas, where they are, has been there for a while. It is his last day. So he comes to teach. Many, I'm sure, heard him in days before it, and they were anxious that he was about to go, as in the case of Paul and other visits to other towns. It was never a certainty he would come back again, or how long he might stay, or even how they might be communicating with each other once he had gone. But Eutychus comes and joins the crowd to hear Paul teach for the last time before he leaves their town. Remember how important it is for them because in their day, when Eutychus is there, there's still no Bible like we have. Maybe a few writings are being passed around already, but none are yet firmed up in the form we know of it. Uh, they don't have any long church traditions on either how they worship or their practices of the common life together. They don't have any reliable communication with Paul once he leaves that next day. It's just the time they live in. They didn't have the internet or Google which you can often uh, go to and ask any question, and it'll give you an answer. You, it'll look up passages in the Bible for you and tell you that. He didn't have any of that thing. No one had a thousand or a hundred best sermons of Paul on tape, which he could subscribe to. None of that was present in the least. You might find this amazing, considering our day, but Eutychus and the people with him had too little information. Imagine that. In our day, too little information. There still was not enough being circulated. They were still trying to understand what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. 
Not only in the first few years after he had resurrected, but in generations to come. And that would take a while for that to take shape. That is the setting in which it happens. Now, it takes a, a, a big turn in the story, of course, when uh, you have Eutychus sitting up there listening, uh, taking the opportunity of what might be some life-changing words he would hear from Paul in that evening. He sits there and listens and listens, and Paul goes on and on. That's what the scriptures say. Can you imagine that, a preacher that goes on and on? I don't know what to think of that. I don't know whether on and on means uh, five minutes longer than you really want, or maybe it means he goes on an hour and then still has more to say. I'm really not sure what on and on means. But you know, it has something to do with whether or not you are in good company and you're enjoying being there, or maybe in the midst of all that talking, just the weariness of the evening caught up with him. Anyhow, uh, when Eutychus falls asleep, he really joins good company because the disciples themselves, on the night in which Jesus was to be arrested and would be crucified, there in the, on the Mount of Olives three times are found sleeping, even though Jesus has told them to pray and wait and watch with him. It's in good company. We can have those moments. <clears throat> but there's a solution to our falling asleep. I know how to stay in church and never fall asleep. You know how to do that? It's to be standing up and talking. If you're doing that, it's really hard to fall asleep. I've got that one covered. As long as I'm standing up, as long as I'm talking, it's not going to happen. Now, I'm going to tell you a couple of stories about how hard it is to stay awake in church. For instance... There was Ryan and Earlene. This is real names, people, real names of people. Uh, and it was a communion Sunday in the small church she was serving. Uh, Earlene sang in the choir, but in that small church, the tradition was when the choir finished singing, they'd all go sit with their families. It wasn't a big crowd, even when everybody was there. It might reach 100 occasionally. And we had communion, and uh, when it got time to serve, uh, Ryan said to Earlene, well, I'm, I'm, I'll go at this time. I'm just going to stay in the pew. Well, she left him and got up and walked forward with the crowd, and she was probably gone from that seat, and maybe at most a minute, there she is kneeling at the, raw, at the rail, taking her offering, and Ryan's head goes way back, and he goes, <laughs> <laughs> Ryan was not allowed to sit by himself anymore. <laughs> it happens. And then there was... Uh, not only Ryan and Earlene, there were, find my name here, there was also Preston. Preston sang in the choir, different small church. On the back row, there were only two rows. On the back row, he would, when the sermon began, uh, he would slide his seat forward a little bit, tilt it backward against the wall, lean his head back against the wall, and close his eyes. I mean the first sentence. Well, I didn't always look around very much, but occasionally I would, and I would always be Preston, leaning back. I never heard him snore, but I didn't know if he was awake or not. And finally, he just told me, you know, Glenn, I listen better with my eyes closed. Okay? I really wasn't too sure of that. <laughs> then I remember a member saying to me, 
because, you know, occasionally I'm watching your eyes when I'm preaching. Sometimes I'm kind of looking out over you. It just depends. It changes. And, and this person noticed one day when I was looking at him that his eyes had been closed and he opened them. So it was like he got caught. <laughs> and he said to me in a, in a private conversation afterwards, I know he said, Glenn, if you find me with my eyes closed in worship, I want you to know it's because I trust you. You got to hold on to that one. What do you make of that anyway? I mean, it's like nothing's bad is going to happen because you're up front and I can take a rest while you're doing it. I really wasn't quite sure what to make of that. Maybe you wish for a Utica shape that had been a closing hymn so that he would awaken and rouse himself and, uh, and close that with a minute of prayer and move on. It would have been a great ending to the story. It may never have made the New Testament, by the way, but it would have been a good ending to the story. Maybe there is a at least minimum takeaway to this story is uh, the seat uh, does make a difference. Uh, don't sit in the window if you're drowsy. Uh, give the man a seat. Don't make him sit in the window. That's at least a minimum takeaway to it. But then something did go wrong in the story. Because Eutychus falls in the third story window to his death. Imagine the story if it appeared in Facebook or in the news today. Lucky becomes unlucky. Local man bored to death in church. Can you see some of those titles appearing? I could just see it in a heartbeat. That's what they would show up to say. Somebody would come by taking a picture of the window he fell out of and post it. That's what they would do. Believe it, he fell. I believe that... Uh, it would have been a highly embarrassing moment for Paul and the church when you posted it. Very embarrassing. That Paul, preaching on and on, causes someone else to die. I've never been accused of that yet. But you're not yet. I haven't had that happen yet. No one has ever died from my preaching yet. Give me a chance. Okay. So, what are the factors in that evening that would make us want to pay attention? What is there to learn? In that moment, you find that buildings actually can make a difference on how the life of the church is presented. They were in the stage where church was held primarily in homes. And if it was there... It might be a common space, in this case, an upper-type room, and they would gather as many as the room would hold. It was just the place they had. Nothing more. Some of them, in that early stages, still might go to temple on uh, Friday and Saturday and then come to gather with other believers on Sunday. The full sense of a break between what it meant to be Christian and what it meant to be Jewish was not yet interpreted or understood. Didn't know what to make of it yet. So he sat in the window. The other spaces could have been full. The lamps were flickerings, he said. Not nice stay the lamps, it stayed constant, but flickering elements. Oil lamps with a little bit of a smoke coming from them, a haze hanging over the room. It's late in the night. And that one sound up front that seems to be quieter and just humming along, and he begins to fall asleep. He went on and on. Paul forgot 
a, a guiding principle in speaking, and it goes like this. The mind cannot absorb more than the bottom can endure. And somewhere in that moment, it changed. And Eutychus was not sitting there anymore, for he had fallen. Now, what's the solution to the structure issues there? And this week, when uh, the program staff, we went together to a conference down in Orlando between our trip to Disney World while I was there. No, we didn't go to Disney World. We just went to the conference. And we were there. Uh, they, they settled those kind of problems. For one thing, they had air conditioning. The other thing, they had speakers, and they had uh, uh, speakers who changed out regularly, not just one who went on by himself. And while we're in the room, there was a, a loud praise band playing, and I do mean loud, with microphones. Everyone had one, and instruments playing loudly and mic'd. There were five cameras displaying the, the scene in front of you. Uh, on a screen as big as our back wall. So you could see so well what was happening up front. It was easy to notice everything that was taking place. They had along that, with that, uh, strobe lights and a light show happening at the same time. Now, it is really hard to fall asleep in that setting. It really is. I mean, you may not be paying attention to the main event that's happening in front of you, but falling asleep is pretty much not an option. And I thought, well, they settled some of those problems. But then again, in the story, what is the important thing? Well, of course, in the telling of the story, you may say, Glenn, it probably wouldn't be there if it wasn't the miracle. Miracles have a way of making it in. And when Paul went downstairs and, and knelt over this young man and prayed for him, doesn't say that, but I'm sure he did. The fact is, the word used when he laid across him is the same word that was said about Elisha when uh, he uh, uh, leaned over the uh, Shumanite woman's son and brought him back to life. That's in the book of 1 Kings. There was a, a, uh, a complete uh, desire on the part of him to bring this young man back to life. It was not a passive in any way. What does the church do when an emergency happens in church? You ever been there? I mean, tell you, first of all, you know, hopefully we have a defibrillator. So that if someone has a heart problem, if their heart stops for whatever the reason, uh, there are a number of us trained in here and we know where it's at and, and we can use that. That's one way we can respond. Let me tell you a couple of stories where in church uh, it was somewhat disconcerting to me. It was a Sunday. Uh, it was offering time. Uh, and in that particular church, the, uh, the ushers came down the outside, already with the plates in their hands. They would reach their position, stop, and then the pastor would say a prayer and the offering was taken. And that particular morning, they got to their places. I bowed my head. I started to say a prayer. It was not that long, okay? It really was not that long. But in the middle of that prayer, I mean a sentence or two into it, I heard a thud. And what happened is one of the ushers Plate in hand, fell flat on his face. He passed out and fell, kawomp in it. You know, that will break up a worship service. I mean, we don't know what to do next. Now, fortunately, there were some medical personnel in that uh, sanctuary who immediately went to attend to him. And, and we stopped and did what you should do. We prayed, and with patience, we waited till the EMTs arrived. They were only a couple of blocks away from that location. And we had them, they brought the, uh, the uh, 
the stretcher down, the person got on it, they took them out, and it's really hard to restart worship out there. Don't you know? It really is hard. But we did. We moved on to worship. Same church. Seems like the next week. It really was about a year later. Uh, we're in worship. This time, I'm saying the morning prayer. Okay, it's a little bit longer. All right? It is a little longer. Uh, and... Uh, in the middle of the prayer, I realized that there's some commotion happening in the sanctuary. Just knew it. I could tell it was happening. Up. So while praying, I open my eyes and look up. And to my amazement, the doors are now all wide open. There's an ambulance backed up to the door and EMT is coming in with a stretcher. And I'm thinking, what in the world is happening? No one's laying out on the floor or whatsoever. I haven't known of anything. However, unknown to me, a lady sitting in the pew had simply passed out and kind of fell over on her side on the pew. Fortunately for her, a physician was sitting right behind her. This was in the last hymn before the prayer. Uh, it was sitting right there, and he watched it happen. He attended to her with a way I couldn't see it happening. He called the EMTs and sat there till they showed up. So he didn't say, Glenn, the EMTs are on their way. They just showed up. That's one of those moments. I remember uh, we were in church one Sunday and the choir was singing. They were all standing up and it was a smaller community choir and it was as many as we have. And it was a good anthem being sung. There was a young lady in the front row who was uh, very, very pregnant, close to delivery date. And she realized in a moment she was about to pass out. So she sat down and then slumped over in her seat. Well, of course, that immediately gets reaction out of the crowd and, and everything stops. In each of those cases, we did what we should do. We offered prayers and medical help as needed was given for them. The last one was a Sunday, not actually in the service, but just as it ended and, and people were walking out past the preacher and there was a line and I don't hold up lines a long time, so don't think this happens often, uh, but we're in line and, and there was an elderly lady in the line I'm not defining elderly, okay? I'm not defining it, but she was. Uh, and she was about five or six people from me, and we all heard a cracking sound, and she began to fall to the floor. A person behind her caught her, and her hip had broken just standing there. And in that moment, there was another physician happened to be there too. God's very gracious with those people. He was there and immediately called the EMTs. And of course, they come and take her away. Now, what do you do in times like those? And you think, we didn't plan that. Should that happen in church? I guess everyday life has a way of entering into church too. And the same kind of response here might very well be the one that should be there is we'd want to get them the care that they need, but also the prayers that they need. And we respond in appropriate ways for them. It really speaks about the compassion of this church because they go and attend to Eutychus. We know that because after Paul has laid over him, his life has come back into him, and he says he's going to be okay that they take him on home and take care of him. So they didn't just all go back upstairs. They went home and took care of Eutychus. And his name is there. Not because he's someone, a great leader in the church, someone who later aspired to something and that we learn about in church tradition. This is what we know about Eutychus. But his name made it because names are important. It's important that names be known because that's who we're known as. 
It's important we learn each other's name. And I, that is a challenge always, especially the, you know, the larger we are as a worshiping group and multiple services in our congregation. We're always, every one of us, in the name learning mode. But it's worth it. Because in that, we let people know that you matter. That we'll go to that effort. We'll try. Give us the opportunity, please. Paul was distressed by what happened. He must have thought, did I really talk on that long? And I catch him that way and he fell. And he was pleased that he was going to be okay. So what he did is went back up to the, to the uh, room where they were. They barred anybody else sitting in the window. I bet you it doesn't say it, but nobody else sat in the window. And then he talked on, oh, then they stopped briefly, had the Lord's Supper, communion together, and they ate a love feast together. But that wasn't the end. This is after midnight, remember, after midnight. And then for the rest of the evening, he talked till daylight came because they so much wanted to hear. What do we take away from that moment? It is a guiding moment because someone is important and they name him and his name was Eutychus. Think of our names. We're important enough for the church to take notice. Not always simply in a sanctuary, but when we have life together apart from this place also. And that's why we say we should always get their name because they're important. Would you pray with me? Our Father, we are more challenged to remember. You know everyone and everything. Guide us with compassion and caring that we would be that way with each other. We thank you, Lord, that the church loves those around them, that we're taught to do that, that in the spirit of Christ, it comes natural to us. Help us to reach those who are new and those who have been here so long with the good news of the love of Christ. In his name we ask, amen.